one of the weirdest, oddest, most unusual. Oh, hi, I'm Matthew Price, and I'm the host of Let's Scare Matthew Price to Death. And you're de you've downloaded us and are listening to me right now, so thank you. Um, one of the weirdest, oddest, most just downright unusually weird, strange movies that I've ever seen is uh, 1981's Possession, which stars Sam Neill and Isabella Johnny and what I can only describe as uh, the way the movie describes it, The Creature, which, um, which we'll get into, uh, with my uh, really interesting guest, Chloe Brett. Uh, Chloe is another show first. I believe this is the first person we've had on the show that I once hired to do a job, which is kind of neat. And uh, now she does her own job. She is a uh, makeup artist and does weird gore makeup. And I cannot wait to talk about the weird gore uh, that's in this movie with her. So we're going to do that. Uh, uh, our discussion is coming right up as well. As always, we have gotten a brand new sponsor. I'm really excited about that too. And we'll have all that after the theme. Hey. You, you want to see something really scary? You bet. It's Let's Scare Matthew Price to Death with your host, Matthew Price. And thank you and welcome to another amazing episode of uh, Let's Scare Matthew Price to Death. We have a really great movie to talk about. As I mentioned, a really deeply weird movie to talk about and I don't use that term weird very lightly not much phases me but this certainly is very weird so we're going to do that and we're going to get to my guest before we do though we do have a brand new sponsor uh, as I mentioned off the top our sponsor is flying a lot of people have a fear of flying and flying wanted to step in now I think I you know flying is interesting because it's also something people dream about doing like that they want to do but they want to do it without the benefit of an airplane but somehow when you put someone inside a metal box, it causes a lot of stress. And uh, and I think even if you don't think you have a fear of flying, if you get on an airplane, there's always that one moment. You hear a bump, something. Oh, it's just the landing gear going down. But you know that you don't really know. And, uh, and so I, it's probably a more common fear than we think. So I want to thank Flying for uh, sponsoring the show. And I want to thank my guest... Chloe Brett, welcome. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so Chloe, t tell us about the movie that you picked. <laughs> what did you What did you want me to watch? Um, I wanted you to watch Possession, the okay. 1981 uh, Andre uh, Zalowski one, or Zalowski, however you want to say it. And I picked it purely because the first two I thought of were this and Exorcist Three, but you already done Exorcist okay. Three. And I just thought, this is a movie where we could talk about it for an hour or more. Minimum. <laughs> Minimum. Yeah. Because the, it's, like you said, it's. I feel like it's beyond weird. It's just an insane movie. Yeah. And who yeah. knows what's happening. And I, it's, it's a movie that I do think is scary, but not for any of the reasons maybe that, that the filmmakers think it is scary, right? Like For sure. When I, the first time I saw it was two years ago, and then I rewatched it to prepare for this. And I went, oh, yeah, this, like, all I remembered was the tentacle monster and, like, the flailing in the subway. And I was like, this really, is this even a horror movie? Yeah. Is it a drama? Is it an art house? I mean, it's all of the above, but it's, it's like an indescribable yeah. movie. Now, you, <laughs> here's what I think is interesting. I'm actually curious about this. You, you do horror makeups, right? Yes. This is part of your, your 
profession that you would like that you yeah. do. Um, so I, can you? T- is there something specific about this other than the fact that there's a creature in it mm-hmm. that's pretty out there for sort of what you would call, normally call horror makeups? Yeah. Is is that the appeal for you primarily? Is there is is there a crossover with kind of what you do in your life? Um, that's it... completely. When I rewatched it, I was like, "Oh, this is the most unimportant part of this movie." Is the tentacle monster? It's a right. cool monster. Yeah. But for me, as much as I love horror makeup and monsters, I don't find any of that stuff scary. What's scary about this movie to me is the sort of whatever you want madness or the insanity yeah. in it is very unsettling. Like the first time I saw it, I left the theater and I was like, what the hell did I just watch? <laughs> what was that? Yeah. And I felt the same way when I watched it a few days ago. Was like, oh, well that's both good and bad. Cause I was really hoping you'd be able to tell me what, ha- what this is about. Uh, <laughs> I wish I watched it two times once normally and once with director commentary. And I still, you was still like, don't mm-hmm? understand. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, it, it defies categorization for sure, and in many ways it defies description. You can be in scenes watching them and still consciously go, I don't I don't understand. Yeah. Is this happening? Is this <laughs> happening right now? Or is this some is this am I inside someone's head when this is going on? Like you have the hardest, by the way, of all the shows we have done, you're about to have the hardest version of your job, which is that the guest always has to describe the movie. Okay. I feel like I can do that. What is this movie about? This movie, I can do it. As much as it's like, what is going on? Can you on? synopsize yeah, this? Yeah, I, I think I can. Mostly, mainly. It's really about, because it's it's autobiographical. Like, uh, Zaleski said that so many times. It's just about his marriage falling apart. Right. So this movie, I mean, it's like a crazy amped up version of that situation. But basically it's... Um, Sam Neill and Isabella Johnny are married, and they have a young son, and it kind of starts right in the thick of it. It immediately starts with them screaming at each other and, like, running all over the place, but the movie's basically about their marriage falling apart, and there's this other man, and then there's this other man who's actually (laughs) a tentacle monster. (laughs) And then it sort of ends with the apocalypse, I guess? Kind of? Yeah, there's... (laughs) It ends with <laughs> the ultimate triumph of the tentacle monster on some level. And we have, so I have told people what the movie is, and we expect that anyone listening to this will have That's watched it, or at least read <laughs> us and have this. So we're, because there's no way to talk about this movie without talking about all of it. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, I'm glad people will watch it because. It ends with the tentacle monster turning into a doppelganger of, of Sam, Sam Neill, and then. What happens? Basically. <laughs> original version of Sam Neill and Isabella Johnny, who also has a doppelganger who comes from I don't know where. Who is his, who is the teacher. Yeah, right. who's there's um, Sam Neill's son's teacher, who's like right. the good angelic version of uh, Isabella Johnny, I guess. Right. She wears white and she has the nice green eyes. And, and she, she seems accessible. She's, yeah. yeah, not a crazy person. Yeah. Yeah, so the movie ends with the original couple getting shot to death for some reason. I don't know why. (laughs) Right. And then uh, the doppelganger, Isabella Johnny, is now in possession of their son, Bob, for some reason. Again, never explained. And then bombs start falling. Right. And then you just see... I don't know how to describe it. You see 
doppelganger Isabella Johnny at a door, a misted kind of frosted door, and doppelganger Sam Neill is like crawling all over it, and bombs are going off, and there's a strange, stark white light on her face, and she just stares into the camera, and then the movie ends. Right. And you're like, what? Is he the Antichrist? Is this, like, <laughs> what's happened? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I wish I could explain the only The was. only theory I can come up with is that he lives forever and becomes a Sam Neill character in Event Horizon. But that's... <laughs> <laughs> One can only hope. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the, I, yes. So I, let's put it out there, because it doesn't happen to me that frequently. I am hard-pressed to construct any kind of logical <laughs> narrative for this movie, or even... Because that certainly is the case in, like, um, and I think there is a relationship here. There's That's certainly the case in David Lynch yeah. films where you could say, well, logically, I don't really know what happened. But the difference is I can't even pull an emotional narrative out of this chaos the way that I can with, <laughs> at least in David Lynch, I'm like, oh, it makes emotional logical sense. Yeah. Even if it doesn't make logical <laughs> logical sense. I, I see emotionally where he went. This is like... It's it's almost like his marriage fell apart, and then the, and then so he's like, well, I got to end this movie. I'm going to end it with a big giant "I hate you" <laughs> kind of like. <laughs> well, like I said, I listened to the director's commentary, which had very little to do with the actual movie. So it's like this is was it very... recorded a lot later? Oh yeah, for sure. Okay, it was interesting but very unhelpful. But basically, <laughs> so kind of like the movie. <laughs> yeah, he basically sort of says because he's. Polish, and he was born right at the end of World War Two. Yeah. So, and he's always, you know, I was born in the apocalypse, and blah, the apocalypse, all the apocalypse, and he just said, I don't know, I end and begin all my movies with apocalypse, and then the movie, it all, it ended, and I was like, what? <laughs> That's not any explanation. I feel like he just didn't know how to end the movie, and he said they ran out of money, so I assume oh, so maybe, maybe it was just like. Yeah, I don't. Sure, this so is a good ending. <laughs> I went and read because I think you have to after you see a movie like this you kind of have to go to like Wikipedia or wherever and read like, what is the common sense synopsis, nominal <laughs> description of this. And they mention, and I've now seen it twice and they mention right away a thing that did not occur to me at all, which is that Sam Neill is some kind of spy. Yeah. So that did not, did that occur to you watching the it movie? It didn't. But again, I right. also read stuff and was like, okay, okay. sure. Because he just seems like a weird businessman. Well, yeah, you see him at the be very beginning of the movie in that room, and there's like a boardroom kind of right. setting. Right, and he's been, so he's been away for yeah. six months, but my assumption was he was away, you know, working yeah. on something, and then those are like his board of directors, and they, 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 he wants to quit the company, and they don't want him to leave, but apparently that's supposed to be more like espionage, or whatever. I don't, I, I don't know where that came from, I don't know who... Zalowski was like, he's a spy, know. and that's where it they has, got it? Or? That scene has the best single shot in the movie, which is this crazy tracking yeah. shot, because the room is really weird. They're like at one way corner of it, and it's a big room, and there's like five guys behind a diagonal table, and then he's on the other side of the table, diagonal into the corner. And the camera like loops around yeah. the room several times and goes on different sides of the table when it loops around. So one time it goes behind them. And then the next time it loops around and goes between them. And like, so you just see Sam Neill. And it's like, I don't even understand how that shot was accomplished because they're clearly running around with cameras. Like on, it doesn't look handheld. It looks like it's on tracks. But it is no, on tracks. It's but, everything in the movie. Because originally yeah. I was like, oh, is this like steady cam? It seems too early for steady no, cam. No, it's all dolly, right? And then it was, and then I was reading about it. And it's like, it's all on tracks. And he just said, I would get there a couple hours early, figure out exactly what I want. And yep. I would tell the crew and they would set it up. 
So that's how we got all those crazy spinning shots yeah. and all those like weird wide shots, but they're spinning like around corners. There's a lot of shots like that in the street where they're just like yeah. zooming around. It's And it really contributes to just like you feel very disoriented. Yeah, it's almost the whole the time. The whole right? movie is just people moving and flailing and spinning around and the camera's spinning around right. and you're just like yeah, it's very disorienting, and it, it it makes you kind of feel something in your stomach where you're... It's not motion sickness, but you're like, something. I feel so weird watching this Like movie. you're off kilter. Yeah, yeah. you yeah. can't ever just kind of sink into it and relax. Yeah. You're always like, oh, it's still moving. Everything's and moving. I feel like if... So here's the context in which this would have made sense to me. If I had been visiting an art gallery... Mm-hmm. and I had walked past a room that had one of those video installations set up, and this was playing on a loop, in yeah. a, in a, like with no sound, <laughs> and in a in a room in a, ga- in a gallery, I would have been like, oh yeah, I get this, <laughs> right? But, oh yeah, this makes sense. Totally, yeah, when sure. you watch it presented as a film, and you go, well, this is obviously about his marriage breaking up, but beyond that, I am not sure where any of this is going. I, there, there's several scenes that I think are really like, there's some scenes that I think make sense. Like there's the scene where he's rocking back and forth in the rocking chair. Mm -hmm. That's clearly metaphorical, but obviously leads, you know, you think a lot about like what it would be like to have your marriage break up and you lose your kid and how you would be driven crazy. Yeah. Those, those things seem like they're in the realm of human experience. (laughs) And then there's the scene in the subway where she drops all the groceries where I'm like, I don't understand what's happening right now. My understanding of that scene, because that's arguably like the most memorable scene of the whole movie. Considering this movie has a weird tentacle monster in it, and that is the most memorable yeah, scene in the well, movie, which involves just her and groceries, yeah. That scene is so alarming. And yeah. it's like one of the best bits of acting I feel like I've ever seen, because it's insane. But my general understanding of what is happening is she is either giving birth or like aborting the tentacle monster... And again, I didn't get that from watching the movie. Okay. I got that from doing the readings where it's like she's giving this is where the tentacle monster came from. She birthed it and in now the she's, subway and now and she's, now having, she's having, sex having sex with, with it. it. Okay. Yeah. Great. <laughs> if that helps you at all. <laughs> I read that and I was like, okay, sure. Right? I, sure. I had to come from somewhere, so I guess The tentacle monster it. also seems to have the ability to people die yeah. as soon as they see it. But it's not clear if it's killing them or if they're just dropping dead. When I watched it again last night without the sound, which somehow helped me pay more attention to it. Um, yeah, because it, it doesn't physically kill them, but everyone dies around it. And I feel like it's when um, Heinrich, this sort of guy, is the Johnny. Ubermensch guy. That yes. insane man. When he sees it, his reaction almost seems like he's been possessed or seen something horrible, and that causes him to die. So I, I kind of after watching it a million times, it felt like it's sort of people see it and it somehow drives them kind of crazy, and that just leads to them dying. Yeah. And I guess it also sort of when Isabella Johnny's in that other apartment it seems like even though she's crazy the whole movie it seems like she's even more possessed when she's in that apartment and she's well like, she seems like uh, not in control of herself yeah yeah and that's you know she kills the first there's private investigators in this movie that sam neil hires to follow her and they both they're a gay couple because why not 
Right. Because it makes as much sense as anything. Yeah. Yeah, so one of them dies and the other one is worried because basically his life partner is yeah. dead now. Or, then, can't, or is missing. Right? Yeah, and then he... The first guy gets stabbed in the neck with a bottle. Right. By Isabella Johnny. Right. And then the second guy goes to look for him and she shoots him a bunch of times. And... But none of them... <laughs> but the tentacle monster never does anything except kind of lay there and flop around. No, it doesn't. For some reason I had this idea in my head that... And I don't know if I just invented this because you can kind of invent whatever you want with this movie. Yeah. Somehow I got the idea into my head that it was like absorbing like the blob, like absorbing their essence and that's how it grew. And became, and became more and more human. human being. Yeah, yeah. I don't know where I got that, just because there's goo everywhere and I was like, oh, that could be like a dissolved human body that the tentacle <laughs> yeah. monster's yeah. eating. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> and then there is a scene where Sam Neill goes to the apartment. Yes. To confront I don't even think he knows what's in there, but he knows that she's in there and there's some something else in there to confront her, I guess. And then she is having very seemingly graphic sex with the tentacle monster, which is yeah, pretty much out there as far as even for horror movies. That is a crazy image, right? Yeah. And it's weird because you see it and you're like, oh, that's really gross. And Sam Neill's watching it. And then there's a close up on her and she just keeps saying like almost, right. almost, right. And it's like, <laughs> almost what? <laughs> yeah, the whole movie exists in this weird space of like, you want to know what is happening, but you almost don't want to know what is happening because you know that whatever is in the guy's <laughs> head is so awful that like, I, I can't imagine what he was going through when he made this. It seems very drug-fueled too, like just the whole way that he explains his Quite ideas and possibly. stuff. possibly. Yeah. yeah. Because it's... I can't believe whoever his wife did not wife was did not want to stay married to this guy. He seemed yeah. very, you know. I imagine there was no drama in your home life. <laughs> I mean, it's not like he was up in the middle of the night throwing <laughs> knives at the window or something. He's obviously fine, and you know. Yeah, you have to wonder watching this how much, again, because it's a dramatization. But there's so many scenes where, like, I wonder if that really had that scene with the um, the electric carving knife. When Isabella Johnny like starts yeah carves cutting, her own neck carves yes. her own neck another scene where I don't know why that happens I don't but, know why yeah. it happened and then she gets bandaged up and leaves to her tentacle monster and then Samuel sits on the kitchen floor and starts cutting his arm again with the electric carving knife right but and then he's not injured after that he just kind of does it you see him start to do it and then yeah nothing. it's yeah I feel like and then I feel like the doppelganger comes and everything's fine again and it's like. What was that scene? Did this happen in your life for real? That you're like, yeah, sure, I'll just slice away at myself for some reason. I'm sad? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> just the way she does it, too, is like, she really, like, gleefully tries to hack her own head yeah. off. Yeah. Well, she's very... Boy, I really... Here's the thing. <laughs> here's what I just thought, is... I really hope someone is listening to this episode who has not seen this movie because this seems like we are just playing a weird improv game where we are describing things that don't relate to each other to try to see if anyone <laughs> will believe that this is one movie. And then there's the part where her shoe starts to talk to her. You know, like, <laughs> like no, that didn't happen. But like everything else we've said, this all happens in this one movie. Every scene is so disconnected Yeah, from one yeah. another. And they, so he puts the little kid in it, Bob. Yeah, and then there's the whole the whole thing sign. with the little kid, and there's some kind of fascination with that kid taking baths, right? Yep. There's a lot of scenes of them giving <laughs> that kid a bath, or the bath being really important, and uh, 
And I know that the movie is supposed to be constructed to be insane anyway, but like by putting a little kid in it, it's al- you almost go like, oh man, this is no good. <laughs> this little kid is in trouble. We need to help this little kid. Well, nothing bad actually ever happens to him except, again, at the end, maybe he drowns himself? Well, he, he certainly knows that the thing outside is a monster because he's yeah. like, do not open the yeah, door. Yeah, he starts screaming, don't open, the, do not open. And he runs upstairs and jumps face down in the bathtub. Right, and does a dead there, man float. And, and that's then the end. And then you never away. see him again. Yeah, so, yeah. And it's as if he's been practicing that particular dead man float through all the baths. Well, yeah, there's He a, seems like he, he had a mission. He could just be, there's a part in one of the many baths where he, him and Sam Neill are playing like a hold your breath game. Right. So it's like, maybe he was holding his breath until the monster went away. Yeah. Who knows? I just assume that kid is dead, probably. Yeah. Bob is dead. Yeah. And <laughs> if, if you do follow this logic of her giving birth to the monster in the, in the scene in the subway, subway so then is the monster Sam Neill or is the monster Bob? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> because maybe he doesn't want to open the door because that thing's going to replace him. It's him grown up. That's an interesting theory. I don't know. Well, that's all you can make of this you, film yeah, is interesting theories. So I feel yes. like if someone had seen this and heard that, they'd be like, oh, yeah, I could yeah, see yeah, that. Yeah, totally, okay. yeah. It's a metaphor how children are monsters in the Dinkadel. <laughs> this works as well as anything. <laughs> yeah. Do you show this to, would you show this to other people? Maybe. I mean, it was shown to yeah. me. It played at the Lightbox a couple years ago. My friend invited me to come and see it. Yep. And he said, I really want you to come see this. Please don't look up anything about it. Just come see it with me. And I went, okay. Would I do that to somebody else? Probably. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Just to see the look on their face. I wouldn't show it to just like the average. Yeah. It'd have to be like a movie person it, who could handle it. Is, it. <laughs> it is really relentlessly nonsensical in a, in a crazy sort of disturbing way. And I feel like the best possible circumstances to do exactly what you said, take somebody to it, say, don't look anything up. Yeah. Just come see this movie. It's, it's weird, but you'll, you'll like it. Come see it. And then at the end of the movie with that ending, you just turn them and go, huh? Right. That's pretty much exactly right? what happened. Yeah. See? And we were like, oh my god, that was great. What was that? What? <laughs> and we all just left confused, but but pleased, because it was a good experience. Yeah. I think the trick is to pretend that you understood it all. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the, yeah. The thing is, now that I've seen it three times, I'm very comfortable admitting, being recorded, that I have no idea yeah. what is happening yeah. in this movie. And that's okay, because you don't know, I don't know, I don't think anybody Right. Knows. And the and the beauty of it is that it doesn't really matter whether you know what's happening. Because there is stuff in this movie that I think is really good. Oh yeah, absolutely. That, you know, that even if I don't understand what's happening, the scene in the restaurant where they sit in the corner tables yeah. like opposite each other is like a really good scene about two people that are gonna about to like break their marriage up and then like it devolves into <laughs> crazy insanity again where they're throwing <laughs> chairs. But like it's it's a you know, a good little moment. Like I said, when he's rocking back and forth in the rocking chair, yeah, man, it's that's visually on. That is on fleek, as the children say, <laughs> about about what it would be feel like to have your marriage break up. <laughs> that's right, I busted out on fleek. I accept that. Thank you. I've been waiting to use that term in a podcast for a while, um, but it's it really a good one. <laughs> Sorry, moment to use it. Thank you. 
But I too, I do totally believe that, like that, that is a good way to visualize what it'd be like to be despairing. It, that there, there is stuff. There's more to it than just, um, like let's randomly make crazy shit up, right? Like, yeah. You can't just dismiss it. That's the problem. I watched it the second time, like for this show, and I thought, uh, I can't get out what I, I don't understand this for sure. <laughs> I can't dismiss it. And it, it was made in 1981. I, I think, um, 1980. I think, or 79 was Kramer versus Kramer, mm-hmm. which is like the first time that a movie talked about divorce, right? Mm-hmm. And then this movie. And then there's also 1981 is when Shootout the Lights came out. Do you know that album? I do not. So Shootout the Lights is, uh, um, uh, is uh, two musicians who were partners. They were both in Fairport Convention, which was a, pop, a, a folk pop band. And then they they went off on their own as a duo. And then while they were recording this movie, this album, Shoot Out the Lights, their marriage broke up while they recorded the album. And so the album is like a record of the deterioration of their oh, marriage. No. <laughs> it is great. It is so great. And it is so painful to listen to at the same time. You can you can just hear them like really getting angry. It's really good. It's really good. Um, uh, uh, one of my all-time favorite albums, right? But like it's it's I feel like 1981 is... It's like, uh, maybe that is the only thing that I can sort of bring into this film is um, it's the first time that divorce became such a commonplace thing that everybody needed to examine it or look at it, right? Like it had been, you can't make this movie in 1970 because divorce is still shameful. No one will admit that they're going through anything because of their divorce. Like it, it, it become normalized by the, by the early eighties that you could talk about it as like a thing that was hurting you for sure and i feel like with this movie because it's so ridiculous and confusing yeah you can put that in there where it's this relationship's falling apart this marriage is ending there's a child involved there's an affair or there's two affairs one of whom involves a doppelganger of the same person yeah like what i want is to find my wife only nice exactly right yeah and that's kind of like nobody wants their marriage to end really yeah you want to make it work and as confusing as this movie is you can still feel them caring about each other and wanting to make it work and it just comes out in all these insane ways because yeah so i feel like you know i don't want to throw out the subversive word but it is subversive in that it's not just kramer versus kramer we're getting a divorce and in a way, it's a lot more emotional than Kramer versus Kramer. Yeah. Because yeah. it's so raw in all of its feelings. Yeah. And it goes right to metaphor and skips over meaning. And, yeah. And it's just, you know, some. I feel like if your marriage was ending, there's times where you'd want to just like flail around and scream bloody murder yeah. and yeah. just be like sad and angry. And this movie has all of that. Yeah. <laughs> it's, if, it's very much an open wound to watch oh, yeah like, it's like painful and gross yeah and like sad and upsetting yeah to watch <laughs> now it's also he's polish but it's set in east germany right and filmed in east germany i think it was in west germany but yeah it? it's okay. it's uh like you see the berlin wall in a few yeah. shots so i wonder how much that's a part of what he is trying to that the berlin is separated that it's divorced from itself you know, it's a city that's been divided and has to, you know, half of it has been pulled off. And maybe that's part of what he wants to talk about. Um, yeah, I could see that. You know, and that's the beauty of this film. You can read anything. Exactly. So that's... that's, this is one thing for sure. <laughs> Any argument is correct yeah. with this. <laughs> when I was watching it and they showed the wall a few times, it's like, 
what is the meaning of this? And you can kind of see soldiers a couple of times, like looking up at them, yeah. which I guess are probably real soldiers. That he just filmed. Yeah, he just street. filmed, but yeah. I was like, what, what is the meaning here? What's yeah. the wall? What is the wall? Yeah. Plus there's the friend who lives upstairs. Oh, uh, Margie or... Mar- Margot or... Margot, Mar- yeah. Or whatever. Lives upstairs. He's He may have been having an affair with her. We're not really sure what their relationship is. She's like... Isabella Johnny's annoying friend. Right. And again, these are all based on, like, real people. Yeah. Um, so this was, I guess, just his wife's annoying friend. Again, why she has the, like, weird cast with the built-in high heel. Like, what her purpose is when they right. fall asleep, when she falls asleep in his bed. And it's like, is something going on here? Who is this weird woman? There's right. that scene where you first meet her, and she goes up to Sam Neill and goes... Oh, let me take your sweater. And she just pulls his sweater off and, like, takes it. Yeah. It's like, who are you? Yeah. <laughs> and she wants, seems like she wants to become the surrogate mother to Bob to some degree. Like, isn't she sort of looking? Yeah, she some, looks after him. some level, him. she looks after him and, Yeah, before you know, the... Before the teacher comes the home. The teacher comes and starts looking yeah. after him. It's this Margot... That's actually like when you meet the teacher. That's like the only time that I'm aware of in the movie when anyone does anything that you could even remotely call a normal re- human reaction, which is that he <laughs> sees this person who clearly looks exactly like his wife and says, "Are you kidding me right now?" or something like, "Yeah." Like he actually, pull, he makes, like pulls her hair, makes mention of like, "Man, you look exactly like my wife," right? Without saying those words, but like he has a real yeah. human reaction. <laughs> it's almost like the scene plays like he did not know that that's how that was going to be played. <laughs> Like that Sam Neill was not told that that character What's was going to be played by Isabella Janney. And then he just reacted to the moment like, is this the movie? <laughs> this is what's... All right. I think my big question with that is, where did she come from? Is Does she just happen to look exactly like his wife? Is she also... Was she once a tentacle monster as well? <laughs> right now, it's totally unclear. <laughs> yeah. Is the... Is the world just tentacle monsters all the way Maybe. down and none of us are real? That's the other <laughs> interpret. There's my other interpretation. The world is all just tentacle I could, monsters. And that's just, we in just various stages of living over and over again as the same yeah. person. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. Even the, t- <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's what the title is about. I don't know. The title's so, you know, it really, like for a movie that's this nuts, the title is so ordinary that you almost would like go by it without realizing what it was. Well, yeah, when you see it and when you see the poster, you're kind of like, oh, that's just a horror movie. Right. And nobody says the word possession. I don't think there anyone isn't... is and possessed. No one is possessed in that demonic sense, but also no one treats anyone like they are their possession. There's no, like, it's not about ownership. Yeah. Or anything. It's not... I feel like that title was just to kind of try to sell the movie, because I don't know how else you sell it. Yeah. If you're like Possession, it's a, it's a scary movie. and I guess you could argue yeah. that the tentacle monster belongs to her or she belongs to it. Yeah. But it's very, it's not... It's very ambiguous. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's no clear through line there, that's for sure. I mean, there's definitely scenes where it seems like they could be possessed by something. Not necessarily a monster or a demon, but... No, like, but she definitely acts possessed in yeah. the scenes where she goes crazy. Yeah. You know, possessed, but if you want to get really deep, you know, possessed by sadness or anger. Right. And it manifests in all these scary ways. But as far as it being like a demonic possession, it's like, I don't know where that title came from <laughs> at all. So, did you. <laughs> no, I don't know either. <laughs> I... 
I'm with you. I feel like we could, like you said, we could talk about this for hours. We would get no closer to, what's your favorite bit of this? Um, I feel like I'm going to exclude the subway scene because that's obviously the best scene. Yeah. I just think in general, Sam Neill, because up until I saw this, Sam Neill was always, you know, Jurassic Park for me. Yeah. And then, you know, I saw him in other horror movies like Omen 3 and Mouth of Madness. But I'd never seen Sam Neill like this. And he is like the king of the crazy eyes in this movie. Yeah. He just... The scenes in the beginning where he wrecks the apartment and gets real disheveled and stuff. Yeah, when you... It like cuts to him a few weeks later and he's got the beard and he's really sweaty and... I don't know. I think his scenes with the Heinrich character are probably my favorite. That, That strange... Like Udo Kier esque, yeah. <laughs> weird man who's like, he's always like touching his face and going like, ah, yeah, and his shirt's like unbuttoned down to his belly button, and he's like spinning around. Who is that man? <laughs> <laughs> he's like weirdly sexual and yet completely asexual, right? But he's supposed to be like Isabella Johnny's lover. Yeah, and then he beats the crap out of Samuel yeah, in one of the scenes. The he really hurts him. him. And it's all coming from somewhere. Again, what did, you know, I'm sure he doesn't talk about it in the director commentary, but what is the direction that he gave to the actors about their characters when they were acting in these scenes? What What is it that they think they're doing, is my question. That got brought up once in the commentary during the subway scene where he was asked, you know, how do you direct an actress to do that? And he's, yeah. he's like, well, she read the script. She, know what, she knew what was going to happen. And that's all he says about wow. it. Wow. That's He's awesome. like, they read the script. They knew what they had to do. It's all there on the page. That's all, he's, that's all yeah. he said about it. And I was yeah. like, fair enough, That is man. not a thing I would ever <laughs> say about this movie. Is So it's all there on the page. It's all in the words. I guess it was if he didn't tell anybody. Or maybe or maybe a Johnny who I think had done some other sort of what you might call experimental type stuff. Um, maybe she just wanted to like say, like see what she could do. And he was like, yeah, I'll just keep filming. Go. Well, it's, yeah, you know? that scene is so long, that subway scene. It's so scene. long, and it's so crazily committed by her. Like, she's so into it. Yeah, I mean, it starts out with just, like, kind of flailing and throwing herself in the groceries, the milk explodes, and then it gets to, I don't remember exactly what he was saying, but he was kind of mentioned the word voodoo when he was talking about it. Yeah. And she starts this, like, weird panting and this, like, jiggling her shoulders. And then when she's down on the ground... And you can just tell she's like holding her breath or something. And she lets that scream out. That's like the most horrifying scream anyone has ever heard in their life. Yeah. Like, I feel like at that point, it's like three minutes in and she's just like, well, I'm going to scream now. And it's going to be so terrifying. And there's like the blood coming out of her mouth. And that, like, I don't know, that goo, that weird like semen like. No, it's and it's like it could be groceries or it could be something else. We really and you don't like it's. it's is like, that eggs? Is that <laughs> others? We don't know. Well, what it's that like is. melting out of her head. Yeah, I guess like it's coming on her yeah. shoulder. So it's either like she's taken all these groceries she has and rubbed them all over herself <laughs> in some weird sploshing thing, or 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 it's emanating from her body. I I like to think it's coming out of her. Great, and that's the, yeah. like that's the whatever. Is this goo? Does your taste in horror generally run towards stuff? Are you more attracted to stuff that is sort of hard to categorize and like 
in general, I mean, there's no movie like this movie, but you know no. what I mean? Like, are you, is this, when you see stuff like this, is this more the kind of thing you really like as opposed to like what you would call traditional horror movies? Um, it's hard to say. I mean, as much as, you know, The Thing or Halloween are very important movies to me yeah. and they're very influential to me, so many horror movies are the same. They're so formulaic. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, it has a cool monster, but I know, you know, these five people are going to die in this order and whatever. So when you come across a movie that's very challenging yeah. as a viewer, it's it's very uh, rewarding to watch that and feel like, even though I don't understand it, and I can accept it as horror in its own way because it makes me think about horror in a different way where it's being uncomfortable with, you know, insanity or madness and how, you know, that can happen to anybody. Anyone could just go crazy. Yeah. And that's really scary. It's not a person with a knife chasing you down a dark street. It's something else. It's unsettling. And so... It's, the, it's the horror of not knowing what's... Exactly. What's truly happening, right? It feels yeah. real in the sense that, you know, somebody could go crazy yeah. in my well, life. Well, there is, but... yeah, I mean, there. regardless of who you think this movie's point of view takes, and I think that's up for debate, <laughs> right? Whether this, is this movie from Isabella Johnny, uh, Johnny's character's point of view? Is this movie from Sam Neill's character's point of view? It's it's unclear Yeah. Uh, on, on a lot of levels, but regardless of who you think is is kind of in charge of this um there there i think there's a legit read of the movie that is whatever you're seeing is from inside one of the characters mm -hmm. and so you're not seeing real things but you're just seeing a disturbed person's impressions yeah i feel like at things. the end of the day if you want to order order argue one of them is crazy or they're both crazy yeah it definitely, to me, I think they're just both crazy. But like you said, it seems like it could be kind of an amped up version of I'm feeling insecure and scared and upset towards you. Right. And the way you're reacting seems so much more heightened to me, where in reality it could be like we're just having an argument. Right, but I'm getting a, but, a weird filter on everything, yeah. Because I'm so upset, it seems like you're screaming yeah. and there's blood everywhere and... It's an interesting film, and it's hard to say for sure if it's just a straight horror movie. Well, it's, you know, like, because it's so pushed out, and, and, because uh, I think there are other movies that you, that, that I, that I know of, that I really like, that do, for large stretches, just take you inside a character's own weird perceptions. Like, I'm thinking of a movie like Naked Lunch, mm -hmm. where, in, in some ways, they're similar, but Naked Lunch is really definitive about whose psyche you're inside of. And it, it doesn't, it's not ambiguous in that way. Like it, there's rules in Naked Lunch for, you know, you're inside Bill's head and he is disturbed. And those bugs that he sees turning into typewriters, he, that's because he is having weird hallucinations. <laughs> you're in his hallucinations. He just doesn't know they're hallucinations, but you do, right? 
But that's very different from this, where it's like, I don't know if this is a hallucination. I don't actually, the movie is not helping me with any of those sort of like normalizing signposts around what what are the rules of this thing, right? Yeah, and you can't even, I feel like at the end of the day, you can't even really tell, like, who are you supposed to be rooting for in this movie? Who's the protagonist of right. this movie? Right, well, that's what I mean. Like, yeah. <laughs> like protagonist, that's far too conventional. There's no protagonist. <laughs> There's no, it's not a story in that sense, but it is a story in the sense that there's a real progression of events and you, you, even though the ending is so strange, it's an ending. It's yeah. definitely like the end of something. The you world, know. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> the world and the old Sam Neill and Isabella Johnny and many other things. But. Yeah. Yeah. It's strange. I didn't actually thought about it this way, but now that you've brought it up that there really isn't anybody that you're like, I am watching from your perspective. Right. It's just sort of up in the air, whoever you're with at the moment. Is... Yeah. Like, in theory, <laughs> Sam Neill is the main character, but you're he's not, really, in the sense that, like, he, I don't know, he doesn't seem to have, like, what you would normally traditionally call, like, wants, or, like, a, you know, there's no through line through this film to, like... God, yeah, there's no... To find him, right? <laughs> well... I... Because you don't, it's like, does he want to stay with her? Does he want the doppelganger? Does he just want to be left alone? Like, it just, it flips so frequently where he's like, oh, it's great when you're not here. It's so quiet to him, like, screaming that he needs her. And yeah, it's like, what do you want? What do I want for you? You have no idea, you don't, the whole movie, you just have no idea what you're supposed to feel for anybody. Yeah. It's this movie's just so confusing. <laughs> it also feels like you said like they ran out of money and they just like ended it because they weren't sure what to do. But like the it while you're I've never had this impression more strongly. While I'm watching this movie, I'm thinking, boy, there have got to be alternate cuts of this movie with other scenes that I'm not seeing. He must have filmed a <laughs> lot of stuff and just like weirdly grab bagged this. It feels it doesn't feel haphazard, but it feels like expansively. That you're never going to see the whole thing. I could definitely like, see if you told If you told me there was a 12-hour cut of this movie, I'd be like, yep, there sure is. There probably, there probably is. is. I don't think there is any extra footage, sadly. No, I don't think so. But it has that feeling yeah. of like, oh, I chose to only show you these slivers. It's, you know, my vision is much larger than this. Like, Well, he said at the end of the movie, it was originally because Samuel asked that woman. Yeah. Who... I mean, does he possess that woman, too, when he gets her to shoot the gun? That random hallway woman? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But he asks her if there's a way out, and she kind of points to a skylight. Like, you go out the skylight. And or up to heaven, or yeah, out across the city. We don't um, know. And Zelensky said that he had originally intended for him to be, like, walking the rooftops and surveying. And it's still like, okay, what does that... What would that have meant yeah. for the movie? How would that have... <laughs> Would there still have been bombs? Even if there weren't bombs, yeah. I still wouldn't... I do respect uh, that he got the money to make this thing that is clearly like a bunch of his weird daydreams all strung together. Yeah, I can't remember what he said. I think he initially sold the movie, I think it was like $2 million that he got to make it. And he said, there's a monster in it, and there's like a tentacle monster, and that's how he got the money? Yeah. By just like, like not lying, but yeah. just glossing over every other aspect of this movie because who would make that 
Yeah, and otherwise, I, and and the crazy part is that I think he spent a fair amount of his budget on that tentacle monster because it's a pretty good monster. It's um, it's, it is it's done good. by Carlo Rimbaldi, the guy that did ET. He's a really talented guy, right? Apparently, how it went was badly. Yeah. Um, because he thought he was going to get three weeks to build this monster, and they're like, "We have to shoot this tomorrow." And he had a bunch of... The first monster is made out of film stock and glue. Wow. And, well, then, I get, and then I guess well, covered that, in slime. Well, that says it all. <laughs> the, the movie is made out of film stock and glue, so that is very good. Yeah. and It's um, almost better. Yeah. That, apparently you know. he arrived and all he had was like a bag of... Like a suitcase full of like pink condoms. And that's what he was going to make it out of. And they're like, no, it's tomorrow. And he's like, mm, okay. <laughs> Which is impressive. Like, it looks cool. Yeah, and yeah. There, there's like a PA under it, like moving the tentacles and doing that weird, like, breathing thing it does. That's yeah. really creepy. Yeah. Where it's almost like, sounds like it's a person sighing while it breathes. Yes. And then while it flops on top of her and she goes, almost. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it has kind of like a human face on it. Yeah. That's why when it, when it, apparently presents itself as Sam Neill, I don't bat an eye and go like, because there's no physiognomy that it shares with with a person <laughs> until it just becomes a person, right? Yeah. But I'm like, yeah, I buy that. Yeah, sure. Sure. There was a face. I get it. You know. I feel like even if there wasn't a face, be like, yeah, okay, movie, whatever. The movie said it I, happened. I, All right. Yeah. I believe you. Uh, any parting thoughts on this? What did we not cover? The movie's very sweaty. We talked about that before the we started. The movie's very sweaty. sweaty. It's very gooey. It's very yeah. bloody. There's a lot of screaming. There's a lot of flailing. There's no way to explain it that does it justice. I would just suggest watch it and then watch it several more times. Yeah. And then be like, I don't understand what this is, but it's a great movie anyway. <laughs> did he do any other films? He did a lot of other films. Did he? Did they, are they all similarly strange or they're, they're I've only less... seen one of his other films and I it was very different but it was equally I had no clue what was going on okay good so I can only assume they're all very well now I have to go seek out other films by this guy dense right. and confusing and I don't know <laughs> <laughs> um where can people find you online um on Facebook I guess yeah are you on Twitter I don't have Twitter. Oh, good for you. I have you. Facebook and good I have Instagram. Okay, we can find you on Instagram. Yeah. Are you do, are you working on makeups and stuff right now? Um, I am right now. Cool. I'm making a prosthetic of Arnold Schwarzenegger's face. Cool. For a movie, a, much like this movie, where someone's obsessed with Arnold Schwarzenegger and becomes him. Nice. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Well, we will look. It won't that. be as confusing as as. Are you allowed to say the title of this movie? Or it's called allowed? Schwartzy. It's a movie like I'm making with my. That friends. is great. So okay, uh, that's exciting and good. Yeah. You can you can find us at modernsuperior.com. Thank you for listening. You can download our show and subscribe to us in the iTunes Music Store. So please do that. Uh, leave us a review on iTunes if you can. We really appreciate that. I really want to thank my guest, Chloe Brett, for coming and being so great and bringing such a really fucked up weird movie. And I really, <laughs> this was super fun and, uh, and I really appreciate it. You win this round in terms of like, what is the weirdest thing I will have to watch? And oh, I God. have other, other seriously weird movies in this round. So that's good. Um, so please, uh, subscribe, leave us comments on modernsuperior.com. 
Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Scaredy Matcast. Although I really respect someone who's not on Twitter. That's that takes real fortitude. Um, and uh, and so we'll see you later. Thanks.